The Talk Too Much Podcast, episode number 31, is live on all platforms. My name is Sina Palavan. I am your host. Welcome back with another week, another dollar. This week's a very, very big week. Two things I want to announce to you. Number one, my interview. This interview is with Austin Griffith. Austin is a developer on Ethereum. Um, He's been building on Ethereum for quite a long time now. He's based out of Colorado. What you guys are going to notice in this interview about Austin is his energy. Um, He's happy. He's just so full of energy. And you could tell he's passionate about what he does. Um, He's built um, a large variety of decentralized applications on the Ethereum blockchain. And his brand is all about teaching others how to use the Ethereum blockchain so they could develop their own decentralized applications. Um, Austin has developed a couple um, applications himself. You could find them in the link to his Twitter, on his Twitter, uh, Scaffold ETH being one of them. Um, These applications teach you, he not just puts out videos on his own website teaching people how to code and how to develop applications on Ethereum, but um, these applications that he's created uh, give the user the ability to create their own um, interactions, code their own interactions, code their own uh, dApps. So I think what Austin's doing is revolutionary, and I'm excited to see where his career goes because I know as this space evolves, um, his passion, his ability, and his interest will evolve as well in the Ethereum blockchain, and I'm excited to see what he does in this space. Also, what you guys will notice about Austin is his, his knowledge. For you guys that aren't familiar with Ethereum, this episode is for you. This episode is to get a better grasp, a better understanding of what Ethereum is, what Ethereum can do, and what Ethereum will do in the future. Um, And then the second thing I wanted to announce is my first ever digital uh, piece of work, piece of art, just released um, on OpenSea. Um, It is an episode, a piece of work representing episode number 24 with Coach Eric Nixick. This episode represents uh, Coach Eric's first title win at UFC 260 with the new UFC heavyweight champion Francis Ngannou. Francis knocked out Stipe Miocic to win the UFC heavyweight championship. And Coach Eric was the head coach and it was his first title. Um that he's officially brought back to Extreme Couture. I know he got a, another one with Aljamain Sterling in the month, but Francis Ngannou was, you know, his fighter out of his camp only. So this was truly remarkable, truly special. I'm very happy for Coach. Um, I'm not going to lie to you guys, this is not the last one. Um, but I wanted to do something to honor it and something that he'll remember, that I'll remember, and I think it's a great piece. Um, you can check it out in the link in my bio. But besides that, let's get into the episode with Austin. I think you guys are really going to love this one. It was one of my best ones. I don't know what that was. I, yeah, I got I to gotta do better with the closing sequences. How's it going, boss? What's up? What's up? How are you? Can you hear me well? Yep, I got you. Um, great. So first of all, it's You're nice to meet you. the Yeti too? Yeah. Oh, Second of all, I was going to say thank you for the camera quality. You're the first guest I've ever had that had this great of camera, camera quality. So thank you. Also, another question. How is your camera quality that clear? Uh, I don't know. Like the, maybe, I, maybe it's internet. Is it, is it my streaming speed? No, you have something my with the camera. Lighting. The lighting, the camera is oh, okay. good. It's, it's pretty good. Um, no, but it's very nice to meet you. I actually spent last night watching over your uh, videos on YouTube. Very, very Some cool. of them don't have very good quality. <laughs> no, good but, content but, usually, but bad quality. <laughs> what I love is your passion for um, for Ethereum. Like you just, like this is your, your life. Um, so I actually wanted to get started with, uh, if you could tell my audience about who you are, 
and why you love Ethereum so much, how you got into it, how you, you know, you got to where you are. Neat. Yeah. So I think that, um, I think that the thing that really brought me into Ethereum was just like seeing a smart contract for the first time. I was, I was a DevOps guy. I had run servers, standing up a thing and, and knowing what five nines meant. And that that's like an uptime thing. So knowing what the implications were of a smart contract and how the storage worked and how like, Oh, like, like this. Okay. So this is an owner and, and thinking about what the network looks like. So instead of thinking of it like a row of blocks, thinking of it more like this network of a thousand machines or thousands of machines, like I think it's like 6,000 nodes or something, but thousands of machines and they're all holding that ledger like like a Bitcoin, but instead of a Bitcoin uh, network, this this ledger is like has an EVM, has a little like container that can run stuff, right? A little machine that can run things. And everyone has a copy of that machine. And that machine runs exactly the same for everyone. So instead of me deploying my app to some server or some set of servers, I'm actually deploying my app to this like giant network of all these machines that are sort of like crypto economically incentivized to keep running and to keep doing exactly what they're doing and what exactly what the code says. So just thinking of that like vast network that you're deploying to that that stays incentivized that has like, uh, you know, way more economic information like that, you know, I don't know a ton about uh, economies and uh, stuff like that, but I do know about how to like build apps and how to build products. And so for me, when I saw the network, when I saw smart contracts, when I saw the the ability for me to just like kind of write out how I want that smart contract to work and then have that run on all those thousands of nodes and have, you know, my app interface with that and allow anybody else to kind of interface with that, that, that like really opened it up for me. And I started building games and tools and, and a bunch of things from there. But I think that's, that's probably my <laughs> long-winded intro. <laughs> what I was going to say is I saw uh, you created something known as ETH Build. Um, if you could go more into that, what is that exactly? Because I saw your video on YouTube and you said the thing that you that really excites you is just like you said, is the possibilities of Ethereum and then all the layers of smart contracts built on top of it. So if you can go in depth on that. Word. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, like, are we screen sharing or is it yeah. just yeah, yeah. audio or it's yeah. Like, you yeah, want me just to show you ETH build? I feel like yeah. the best way to look at ETH build is just to like open it up and look at it. Let me, sh let me share my screen here. When did you do and... this? When did you build this? Uh, ETH build was built. You'll have to give me permission. ETH build was built, uh, about this time last year. I spent about six months. How do I, I was probably about, uh, that's a good, there's usually like a security thing or in participants, you could right click on me and do screen sharing. Oh yeah. I see. I see. Hold on. Nice. Let's see. So, so yeah, about, let's see. I, I remember my son was, was just being born when I was really getting into ETH build. And it was like, I wasn't sleeping at night, <laughs> like building this thing also. Oh, you, you built ETH build when your son was being born? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my God. That's, yeah. I that's... missed DevCon for it. Yeah. It was, it was a, an intense moment, <laughs> but uh, let, let me see. Can I share? Yeah, there we go. Okay. So this is ETH build and I'll zoom in on it so you can see it a little bit better. But uh, it, it's really just, um, it's to help me explain, uh, let's see, and if I move this over here, you, you got me on the video, I think that'll probably work. It's, yeah. to, it's to sort of help me explain and sort of help me kind of explore how uh, Ethereum works. And it's, it's built on top of this library called LightGraph. So I brought in this kind of node library LightGraph, and then I try to make these blocks like really feel like 
pretty simple. So this is a this is a build that I have laying around that checks uh, a certain RPC endpoint and and it checks basically this is a node and I want to know how many uh, what the block number is on that node and then this is a mainnet Ethereum uh, Infura node and this is what block they're on. So I'm just making sure that like my node is keeping in sync with their node and that's something that like I would use an ETH build for all the time but usually what do we do is we dive in and we look at first just like a hash function right like a hash function is sort of this one directional if i type in austin i'm going to get the same hash every time right if i let's see i can copy this stuff and paste it in and i can put in griffith my last name it'll be 7b right so if i put in griffith here we're going to get that same number again so it's like a fingerprint of the content right and this is a really good way to show that i can put anything of any size here and i'm always going to get like this nice 64 character hex fingerprint of the data that comes through. And to show that visually, it's it's really nice to be able to show that visually. And so then bringing in Web3 really, like bringing in things that like are, are pretty hard to explain. Like, okay, so you you know, you can interact, you you have to keep this private key very secret, right? This is your this is your private key, right? And you never want to share that with anybody. But from that private key is derived this address using using fancy math, right? We can just say fancy math, throw it out there. This is how the tool works, right? Mm -hmm. You get an address and then anyone can send their, they can send ETH to your address or you can send from your address. And the way it works is basically by signing these, these transactions, right? You sign and recover. And so if we put a private key in here and we put some message like hello world, then, then that message and that signature can travel across any kind of public network, right? It, it can even like, I mean, like if someone tampers with it, it's, it's just going to break down and not work. So you get like this tamper proof on the other side. When I run this recover, it either recovers correctly and says, yes, for sure, this address signed this message, or you get something else that's wrong and it doesn't work. So, so it gives you the ability to know that some, some account has signed some message and that becomes like really powerful for uh if, if this was like a transaction right alice sends for, to alice from bob value of 10 and we get into that with eth build we kind of look through the distributed ledger we look through kind of it gets it gets really heady and into like smart contracts and blockchain and transactions but with eth build you can kind of start small and kind of wire things up and get a feel for it kind of learn how they work uh, so you you can you can use ETH build to learn how to like really yep. understand the structure of Ethereum. Yep, I think so. Yeah, I think that's a good way to say it. And and really, what I do is I'll do a speed run. So there's there's a video of me doing a speed run of hash functions, right? And and I'll go through and I'll talk about it here. But then yeah, then you can go back to ETH build and say, okay, he just talked about hash functions. Like, how does a hash function actually work? What if what if I want to put like a file upload into this, right? And what is what does a hash look like of a file upload? And I can play around. Let me let me just go grab some random file on my desktop and. I have a question. There we go. For you. So we got a nice hash. <laughs> you yeah, said you said uh, you keep referring, and I know this might be a beginner question. You're going to laugh at this because you're no, you know, the, please all the beginner questions. That's what I want to hear. I want to know what you're thinking about. For so sure. you said you keep referring to something known as the block. Um, for example, you on your videos, you're like, we can check which blocks um, process these transactions. Can you explain to me what that terminology means? The block. Yep, for sure. Let me let's just go back to ETH build. I feel like ETH yeah. build is a good place to sort of play around with that. And it gives me a little like uh, drawing pad almost. So if if we think about the network, like all of those miners out there, right? Not not thinking of not thinking of blocks yet, but just thinking of the the topography of the network, right? 
What we have is we have miners out here working really, really hard to package up transactions to make them valid. And what happens is about every 15 seconds, we've, the, the difficulty of finding it is set in a way that only about every 15 seconds, someone's going to find a block. And what that block is, is basically just a package of transactions. It's, it's, it's a whole bunch of transactions of people sending to people oh, and okay. also maybe executing. But a block is just sort of like their way to package that up. And okay. what happens is each block is sort of referencing the, the block before it. So block number five has the hash from block number four plus all the valid transactions. And that gets mined uh, with proof of work. Does okay. that make it... Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, that's actually what I was. That that's actually go. what cool. I was actually going to get into. Um, is okay. exactly is proof of work and versus proof of stake. Um, I know that Ethereum's currently uh, transitioning to a proof of stake model, right? Um, and I was going to ask. Yes, you, I was going to ask your opinion uh, because I know you. I heard you mention proof of work in your previ previous videos. What is your opinion on proof of work and proof of stake? And do you think proof of stake will actually help your scalability issues? Yeah. So this is th these questions are like bordering on protocol level stuff that's like above my head and out of oh, my pay grade, yeah, right? Fine. So like my, my, oh, no, no, no. See, I want you to ask everything, ask me okay. anything and I'll, okay. I'll tell you what okay. I, what I know, right? So basically I'm running an ETH2 node right here. So I have a validator right here. And what this, this, this box right here has, actually it's this box right here, but yeah. here's the monitor. <laughs> this, this machine has validated blocks on uh, ETH2 already on the beacon chain basically and that's what it's going to be it's going to be a bunch of kind of uh you know diy folks it doesn't you don't you don't have to you don't have to be a genius to be able to run one of these uh servers right it's basically a server that has 32 eth locked up in it and it's verifying blocks so it's doing a very similar thing to how proof of work is currently working imagining that giant network of all those machines churning really really hard with 100% cpus you know when your when your machine spins up and you can hear the fans really loud imagine thousands of machines all over the world doing that and and complicated machines and really all they're doing is sort of like randomly rolling the dice and hoping to get an arbitrarily uh, like long string of zero. It's, it's like you're, you're trying to find an arbitrary little uh, secret that sort of unlocks the block that makes it valid. And everyone's just kind of brute force trying that, right? Whereas opposed to on proof of stake, this little guy right here, because of some kind of like mechanism that's you know beyond me in terms of how the consensus works, there's probably a lot of details to it. But this little guy here can run and he can validate blocks in the same way that we're seeing those blocks getting mined on Ethereum with proof of work. And proof of work is very, very powerful and very, very interesting. And it's gonna change the world, right? Like the, like Bitcoin is gonna change the world for yeah. sure, right? But like uh, Ethereum is gonna let any developer like me run a little node here and also build and deploy smart contracts and deploy apps on top of that substrate, that decentralized substrate. So it's kind of like a different model, but uh, to, and, and to answer the question, I don't know if like it's gonna solve the scalability issues. Like once you have shards, once we have L2, even like 1559, I think is gonna help with gas stuff. There's a lot of things kind of in the pipeline that are gonna really open up and hopefully make uh, the current gas crisis, you might call it uh, a little bit, uh, it's, it should alleviate a lot of that pressure when there's a lot of other places. Go ahead. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's what I was going to actually talk about is you said just now that the proof of work model is definitely going to change the world. And it has, I would argue, like just like you said, yep. and it's going to continue. And the majority of these uh, applications are on proof of work right now currently. Yep. So I was going to ask you since, you know, as I feel like a lot of and again, I'm, I'm very much for the environment. But it's as Bitcoin grows, more and more of these claims are going to come out. And with do right, I'm not saying that. But I was going to ask you going forward. Or do you feel like the proof of work model will slowly start to go extinct as we go further and further in the crypto space because of these environmental issues? Or do you think it will always have a place to stay? That's a tough one. That's hard for me to say. I think that it, it is such an interesting settlement layer that I think that proof of work is always going to be there. But I think it will will have its it will have a lot less use cases as we find like these kind of better uh better but still decentralized solutions to the same problem i th i think like again like this is there's a lot smarter people like really kind of pushing the forefront of this stuff and i'm kind of writing in their wake as a builder kind of building cool products so my best guess of what's ahead is yeah i think proof of work is going to be around I, I think that we will find better models to still de decentralize and have have that substrate we're talking about work decentralized without uh, as much proof of work. I was going to ask you, because honestly, the one thing that caught me off guard is your energy is higher than mine, which I never thought, like it's way higher than mine. I was going to ask <laughs> you, what products, what games do you like to build? I noticed you like your ETH builds off Sandbox. I didn't even uh, know that it was connected to Sandbox. I thought it was its own separate like website or something. Um, I was going to ask you just because I'm actually interviewing for a job at Sandbox. It's funny, <laughs> but um, I was no, no, no. Sandbox is just the name of. No, oh. it's not using anything. No, no, no. That's oh. something that I built. Oh, I yeah. Was, I just named similar. it Sandbox. Oh, okay. Yeah, it looks no. super similar to the interface. I was. Like, I've never what? heard of that before. I gotta look at that. Look at Sandbox. So there's a. It's a metaverse. Oh, cool. Yeah, it looks so similar. I was like, whoa, is that the, the interface is similar? I thought like, <laughs> like it was like that color for the interface. Oh, are you talking about the Sandbox game? Oh, yeah. I love those guys, man. Yeah. No, dude, the Sandbox game is going to be dope. Seriously, like when like that, when that, it, it's such a good looking game. It's such a, it, it's got good people behind it. Like it's, what's a good place to apply. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think of? Because there's I think it's a lot, great. There's a lot of those. There's Sandbox, there's Decentraland. Like how as, as a young, Crypto you know, voxels. yes, which is actually gaining a lot of traction. Um, for example, Somnium Space, I'm interviewing their CEO tomorrow. What is your, uh, what's your, what's your opinion on these metaverses? Do you think they're the future and which one stands out to you? Uh, I, I wouldn't even say that any particular one stands out to me. I can say that like certain experiences are really great. Like with, with crypto voxels, the, the reason why I mentioned it is the other day I was trying to demo what crypto voxels was about to someone. And I was just able to just send them a link to my property. Like I'm standing right here in the world. Here's a URL and you put it in your browser. And now you're standing next to me in that world. And, and I'm like writing, uh, uh, stuff on the wall that is actually like an NFT of mine on on chain. So there's just like a lot of cool things. There. I don't I don't know if it's like I think that we've seen with the NFT craze. There's there's certainly like something to this this idea of like like ownership of these tokens and tokenizing like thing things that are non fungible. And I, I think we're gonna have a big phase of just like like wearables in crypto voxels are pretty cool right now, right? You yeah. can buy, you can buy, I think you can buy like shoes or something on Matic, a side chain. So it's like 
quick and fast and it's on a, a kind of a, a chain that's sort of connected to the main chain but cheaper and you can buy lower value collectibles that show up in crypto voxels on you and i haven't actually tried that but like that that kind of thing is like so like i'm sure it's it's here if it's not it's coming if it's not here already and i think that's really exciting uh we saw gary v on the nft hack talk about uh just like baseball cards and how it's like it's 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 happening in a totally different way now but it's the same idea and it's so exciting to like all of us old dudes that have like pogs and baseball cards and <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna actually ask you because speaking of nfts i see it's like you're very involved in the nft uh, art community and i i heard a um a recent quote that said um every investor's portfolio has a place for art um going forward and I was going to, I saw that you, you know, you do, you're, you talk to a couple artists um, online. I was going to ask you what you think of the NFT art space and if you are involved heavily in it. I think that like one thing you have to like, you have to put the disclaimer out there pretty quickly that like, there's a lot of hype here. Right. And there's a lot of people like with dollar signs in their eyes and that are maybe like as altruistic as the people who are minting NFTs in the bear market. And let's just set, have that as a disclaimer. And, and even like some maybe topping on the cake there is, even though there is this like craze going on right now and there's a lot of speculation, uh, on top of that, there's a lot of really cool developers and a lot of like weird things happening. And there's a lot of innovation going on within, within the mechanics of how NFTs work, how royalties work, how bonding curves work. So while there is a rush of kind of like, ooh, like this feels like speculation here. It feels like people have dollar signs in their eyes. There, there's a layer of like all these really neat kind of new mechanisms coming out. When we talk about baseball cards, it worked just like a baseball card. But now imagine, okay, we have these baseball cards, but all of a sudden now a new game can come out tomorrow that uses those baseball cards. And and. Uh, you can win a token there that can then go on an AMM and have liquidity, right? And like anybody can pick that stuff off the shelf and build those mechanics. So the composability is there, the open source is there, the network is there. It's it's a little congested, uh, but I think that there is uh, there is a big movement coming in from that like collectible angle. Do you think it's still because you just said um, something that caught my eye is you said the people that are successful now are the people that were minting NFTs in the bear market and not successful. Uh, oh, it's not successful. Not successful. I'm saying those are the altruistic. Those oh, okay. are the people with the real heart for for minting NFTs. I'm sure. I mean, I was I was minting NFTs back then, and I'm not rich. <laughs> like, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are minting NFTs that aren't like rich, but I, but they're doing it for the value of like the love of having those collectibles, this this new technology, like these these new mechanics that we can add to things, the, the, the ability to like, I said royalties earlier, but just like program royalties into the baseball card or into the art automatically is just really, really interesting. Like every time this, this piece of art moves hands, like the artist gets 0.5% or something like that. Like, yes, and that's anybody crazy. can take that off the shelf and kind of put that. And that's not true about that one right there. That, <laughs> that's in my OpenSea account. It, it really is tokenized and in my OpenSea account, but there isn't that royalty mechanic built in because it just didn't exist yet because someone has, has it, haven't, has, hadn't invented it yet, but now it's invented and people are putting it in motion. So there's, you create art, wait, really is that things. yours? 
Did you? No, this oh. is ne- this is Nelly. Yeah. Okay. And but this is so this is Nifty Ink, and I have I have a bunch of Nifty Inks that I've drawn myself. So I I have created art, but it's not like good art. That's what I was going to get to you at is so I had this idea, and I want to I actually want to hear your thoughts on it. I'm almost done with my piece. And, you know, I kind of feel a little embarrassed because I do like I take pride in being a real artist. But what you just said is so true, because in this NFT community, like I'm, I've been doing research, it, it said you have to actually put an effort and get to know people. And as I'm getting to know people, I, I kind of see what you said. Everybody has dollar signs in their eyes. They're selling whatever they can. I talked to an artist named Deface the other day, and he told me that scarcity is very, very oh, dude, his work is so good. Fire. Holy phenomenal. And he does I retweeted, it I retweeted Deface this morning. I, I love saw. his work. It's it's absolutely absurd. Like, <laughs> if I could make that, like I'd be in a different spot. But I was going to ask you. I wanted to. I had this idea of creating uh, NFTs out of these podcast episodes. So I'd create a, a graphic in Cinema 4D and I'd put an audio clip on the background. Do you think that's possible, or do you think that's just like a a random shot at the wall? No, no, no. I think I. So first of all, I think it's cool, and second of all, I think thanks to ethereum you can take 10 shots at the wall and see how they work and that's the important part like you can try different mechanics and experiment with different things and see what works and i think that has to do with what you were talking about about knowing the community the the whole product market fit is is certainly very interesting in the art world right like find it's like a very subjective thing but uh with ethereum you're allowed to sort of like iterate right you can try let's try a bonding curve let's try uh this royalty mechanism so when you're talking about cinema 4d that's that's sort of like the medium it's more like if you tokenize an episode how do you sell it do you do you auction it or is it something that maybe you you have someone lock up some money and then they can hold the nft but at any time they can bring the nft back and pull that money out but while that money's in there maybe you've got it staked in compound and the interest is flowing to you so like you as the artist earn some interest off art that other people have locked up on your behalf because of your your podcast right those little mechanics are the things that I think are really interesting to explore. And you think this gives us all these awesome individual artists, the ability kind of to be our own self, self, actual self-sufficient business and actually try these things as opposed to before. I, okay. Can we lean into that? Can we lean into yeah, that a little bit? We? I think that one thing, one thing that is I'm seeing right now with the dollar signs, it's like, again, disclaimer dollar signs, but also there's a lot of really altruistic, awesome art coming out that wouldn't be coming out if this wasn't happening, right? But to lean into that, like, yes, there are lots of cool platforms and you can go upload a JPEG if you're the artist of that JPEG and you can sell JPEG on one of these platforms. But taking a step back and and thinking more big picture, I think what we want is artist developer types grabbing a GitHub repo and writing a little code and deploying their own app, deploying their own contract and minting their own stuff using their own keys, right? And and it, it does not take much. Like we, I have tons of repos you can pull off the shelf and set up a gallery. Uh, more importantly though, like what once you have that gallery, can you build in what new little mechanism can that artist developer build into that? You know, creating a whole new financial mechanism for art, right? In the art world, like there's, it's it's less it's less about these platforms and more about empowering the individual to be able to create this stuff and and 
the the overhead there is very low. Like there is not much that it takes. Like I, I could take any CS student in their second year and I could set them up and have them deploying NFTs and an NFT gallery in like 45 minutes. Can you send me right some links me. after this for me to yeah, learn? Like yeah. I will literally throw myself hours into this, <laughs> like for days. Let me... Let me share my screen real quick and go to the, oh, oh, what did I just Google? <laughs> Let me go to the GitHub for Scaffold ETH and show you just the simple, if you just do simple NFT example, that's just a branch of Scaffold ETH. It's like step-by-step -step instructions and it shows you how to get your local environment set up. And then, so this, these are paintings of mine, but I have some artwork that I've put in here as like placeholder art. And it basically deploys these NFTs and then you can kind of send them around from different accounts. So and why do you think it's beneficial to deploy it on your own smart contract versus, you know, an open C contract or whatever? So I think, uh, I think the, the most important part there is because you can write small changes to the smart contract, right? Like if I wanted to build royalties in or I wanted to build something interesting in, I would take basically the same contract OpenSea has or, or something similar to that. I would take the ERC-721 standard and I'd get into like just the transfer function. And when you transfer, I would send a little bit to me. And that's going to be my change, right? And I would deploy that and say, okay, there's this new NFT gallery. You can send them around on, in it, on OpenSea. You can send them around on any of these other platforms. But I would do a bespoke launch of my own website with my own style. And I would give it my own kind of vibe. And on top of that, my own mechanic, right? And I think uh, a good example of that is uh, Simon DLR did Neolastics. Have you heard of Neolastics? What I'm going to write this down right now. Yeah, Neolastics and I think Euler Beats. I think it's spelled Euler Beats. Oh, Euler Beats. Those are yeah, two. Yeah, Euler Beats. Yeah, Neolastics and Euler Beats are two really good ones to look at. And it's basically like, here's the 721 contract and here's the, the stuff they added to make it really interesting. And that stuff they added isn't super complicated. Any developer can get in and kind of write a little code, but you do end up kind of creating a whole new mechanic. And that's that's the power of it, I think. I think one thing I'm noticing, I've noticed two things is number one, it sounds like you're saying in a, I'm not saying this is chaotic, but there's like no rules to this game as opposed to like you could, you have more freedom to maneuver side to side as opposed to centralized figures of business or of operations. And there, and, there are rules, right? There are very yeah. hard, yes. hard rules of the blockchain. And as long as we play to those hard rules yes, of the blockchain, exactly. it'll do exactly what it wants. To, exactly. It'll do exactly what you tell it. Yeah. And I, I also noticed that when you're speaking on this art, the way you're speaking about it, it seems like for the value of an art piece to uh, to rise throughout the years, you you're really emphasizing its use case, um, utility. Yeah. Utility, yes. So for for my in my case, I was thinking my my for example, I would go up to the guest and say, "Hey, I would split profits on this NFT with you if the buyer gets a 15 minute consultation call with you." What do you think of that? With stuff like that's that, perfect. Yes, that's utility. Absolutely. Is that what you were referring yeah. to? So, oh yes, absolutely. And 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 now, like, let's throw a couple more things at the wall and see what sticks. What if you minted ten more of these and you sold them for a smaller amount? And anyone who holds one of those smaller amounts is allowed to get into a specific chat with us for the next two weeks or something, right? Like, so you use token gating at a chat room and someone has to hold it or, or something along those lines, right? Or, or maybe like the token holders are somehow allowed to like vote on your next person, right? So just oh, wow. like two little changes we could make that like that would take me 
a few hours to write the solidity to do most of those things. Like, and of course, and then days and days and days of auditing to make sure that hard code works exactly like we want it to. But the, the mechanism, the changes, the tweaks that we can make to the existing NFT to add these new pieces, some of this utility, like the, the voting stuff, we wouldn't even do that on chain. I would just have you sign a message like we were showing earlier with your private key that says what your vote is. And then I would be able to look on chain to see if you own the token. So there's no gas being spent at all for me to collect a vote from all of my token holders if we deployed some NFT. But would and there be a yeah, go ahead. would there be a gas fee for because you said that you want to make each one of your contracts your own when you mint an NFT, right? So there but is a is, big fee to that. Yes, yeah, because like is five, it does like does five hundred dollars? Yes, does it open <laughs> yep. C have one fee one time, but you don't get your own contract when you mint uh, artworks. Yep, that's exactly right. Okay. Yep. So, so I'm, I, I, I think that's right. I don't think that they deploy a brand new NFT. They may deploy a brand new NFT and then let you mint on top of that. But my instinct is they have one contract that's already out there and they let you mint like a 40, like a 20 to $40 NFT when that goes, but I'm not exactly sure. Like I, I come at this from the angle of a builder and I haven't like dug you know, great. I, I was talking to OpenSea. I asked them just like how their kind of counterfactual minting is. That's a it's a bad word, counterfactual. But basically, like uh, as an artist, you don't want to pay all the guests to mint all these things up front if no one's going to buy them. So it's cool if you could put them on sale, and then when someone goes to buy them, it spends the gas and sends the NFT. Like the basically, the buyer pays the gas. And and kind of tangent to that, there's a repo in Scaffold ETH called like Buyer Pays to Mint or something like this. So I have all the code. You can grab it off the shelf. But uh, that uh, that setup in OpenSea is basically like, well, we don't even put anything on chain. We'll just hold on to your assets. We'll put them into a store and make it look like they're for sale. And then when someone hits mint, then we'll actually mint the token and send it to them. Just that little switching of the mechanic means that like you can put a lot more work up. And I could even lean into that a little bit more and talk about Nifty Inc. and talk about how you could do art on a side chain that upgrades to Ethereum, right? We put Nifty Inc. out on XDAI, which is a side chain. If you go to Nifty Inc., Nifty.inc on any old tablet, it uses a burner wallet and meta transactions. It uses a bunch of magic to basically, you don't have to know anything about crypto. You drop in, you ink something, you, you kind of draw a doodle and you, you mint it and we pay for the gas. And that thing lives on a side chain and it can be bought and sold on that side chain. So you're basically buying and selling the option on the side chain to eventually mint it to Ethereum. And then it's like a hundred bucks right now because gas is so expensive to bridge something, to bring something from side chain into Ethereum, but we've done it a ton of times before. So you can see these uh, NFTs that are created over on the side chain also exist on OpenSea now. And that's what that's what this guy is here. This is a, this is a nifty ink that, uh, might be on OpenSea. I don't know which one that one is. I kind I was, of have random ones. I was going to ask you. So, what are the? So, basically, you're saying that for an uh, up and coming artist who wants to get into this NFT space, there's uh, there's options. Do you? I, I was going to do OpenSea, but it sounds like it's yep. a little bit disadvantageous to go to OpenSea. No, get, get your feet wet, get, get, so, so you need to start using a wallet. You need to get a feel for how gas works. It's probably going to cost you a couple hundred bucks just to get, get an ENS name. So it's your name.eth. And so you can sign your, do you find that necessary? Do you find that necessary? I, I think, I think the, the, the network itself is already so complicated that you got to get in and use it and get your hands dirty a little bit just to play around with it. I, I would recommend it. 
Okay, but, I'm going to do it. But yeah, I think that like the 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 basic insert point would probably be like you have metamask and you have open that's probably like the the lowest lift get metamask get open put a hundred bucks in metamask and mint something on open just to see how it works and send it around and hold it in your wallet or send it to one of your friends but then like the upgrade from there is there's so many cool wallets there's so many cool platforms and then on top of that if you and a developer buddy can get together, an artist and a developer right now can couple up or just an artist developer or an artist slash developer, you know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. you, you can do it yourself too, but it depends on, you know, different skill sets. But you get, you get someone who is handy with GitHub and with cloning things down and build a site. You get someone who's handy with tinkering with that solidity. Maybe they're also an artist. Maybe they're doing generative art. Like that's the, the, this is the, this is the big circle. Like this is the long tail of all these developer slash artists that can pull any old repo off the shelf and mint their own NFT and add their own small mechanic to it and, and do something brand new that kind of like shakes up the space. Right. So definitely get started with OpenSea and MetaMask, but start thinking about those wider ranges of like, do I have a developer buddy that could help me, you know, make something even, even bigger than just a JPEG and a token. The passion you have for this is amazing. I actually don't recall interviewing a guest this energetic. <laughs> I really, I really want to talk to my, uh, my, my audience about ETH 2.0. A lot of people have asked me like, what exactly is it? Can you go more in depth? Because there's a big, big craze around it. People, in my opinion, I'm just going to go ahead and say this. I think Ethereum will surpass Bitcoin. And I know oh, that is so cool. Isn't that dope? That is so <laughs> cool. That is so cool. That's dope. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I think Ethereum is going to surpass Bitcoin because of its use case, because of all these set, every decentralized application is basically built on Ethereum right now. So going forward, I want to know exactly what it, what is your thoughts on ETH 2.0? What is it exactly and how will it change the world, the crypto space? That's a, that's a good question. I, I think that like not thinking about Bitcoin, not thinking about like competing with like Bitcoin is dope, right? Like yeah. we've already talked about like yeah, proof of work's going to be yeah. around for a while. We yeah. love it all, right? Like, <laughs> but, 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 the, the thing that we were talking about where we could make the little change and add our artist royalties, that's really, really hard on Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin's not going to change. Ethereum is, is changing quickly, right? And we're seeing that, like, I, th I think that uh, ETH2 and moving to shards, I, I think that that's going to help speed up innovation but i don't know exactly what's gonna like I, i'm not <laughs> i'm not a protocol level guy i don't know what the interaction is gonna be like i don't know what it's gonna be like to be on one shard and need to talk to a contract over here and have to do something called yanking to talk to it and how it's gonna be a little bit more asynchronous for us builders i think what i do know is is kind of like that outer ring that we were talking about about developers and and artists come to the space i think that's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and that's the thing that i want to see grow more often and see like see all these tinkers come in and be able to deploy uh, their own nft contract not for 500 dollars, but maybe over on a cheaper shard for like five dollars or fifty dollars right so i think that like hopefully the the moves toward l2 the moves toward sharding are going to give us our playground back where it's not as expensive to go, just go grab something and deploy it and not worry about it. So hopefully we get more innovation there. We get more kind of neat mechanics getting added to it. And, and so like ETH2 to me is just like a new playground that will hopefully be, 
you know, there, there will be less traffic on this guy than there is uh, kind of on current Ethereum mainnet right now. Are you excited for ETH 2.0 to come out? Yeah, of course. I, I, I mean, like, it's, it's a long ways away. There's very, very intelligent people, like, working on it. Like, I love Danny Ryan to death. He's one of the nicest humans I've ever met, and I would, would trust him to go over any hill. But for me, like, optimism is more exciting because it's in the next, like, few months, right? I think within, by this summer, we're going to have a couple different optimistic roll-ups that are L2 solutions. So they're fast, they're cheap, but they settle to Ethereum. And I think that on those L2s, we're going to have that nice UX that we've always been looking for. And we've kind of been experimenting with over on side chains. So I think by this summer, we're going to have that kind of experience for new users. And then once we can ramp into those L2s, so once any user can land on your site, swipe a card, pay $5 and have enough tokens to buy and play with a hundred different NFTs on your app and have it all be smooth and quick and fast and have that still have that like providence, that ownership of that NFT and still have everything be settling to ETH1 when it needs to. I think that's, that's we're, we're going to see like a whole new explosion of apps right now of just like things, things we can't play around with because uh, transactions are so expensive. That's going to open up when, when we can kind of roll a whole bunch of transactions into one and put them, put them uh, on chain. And there's a bunch of other economics there, but. And you think, and I'm not saying this is going to be fully integrated, but you think we're only a couple of months away from the initiative rollouts? I, th I think so. I th they're pushing back a little bit and we've played around with it. There's, if, if you're interested, there's a scaffold ETH repo of optimism. And, and it's basically from the optimism team, you have L1, which is like traditional Ethereum. And then you have L2, which is like the optimism. And then there's a bridge between the two. And then up on optimism, it's really interesting because there aren't blocks. Like you were saying earlier, this packaging of blocks doesn't happen transactions just happen instantly and they get added in by this verifier. And so, and if you make a bad transaction, people can vote you out. Like there's a, there's a, there's a whole set of like, like incentives that keep the thing secure. But basically these transactions are happening as fast as they can get put, put together. So that user experience is going to be really wonderful. And then like doubling down on the whole ramping in thing, like when I can ramp directly into L2 and just pay with my L2 and use blockchain technology settling on blockchain, but have it fill instant, that's going to be, that's going to be really exciting. And yeah, I don't know exactly if they'll be done this summer, but it feels like Optimism, Arbitrum, some of these, these optimistic rollups, there's a bunch of other ones. Someone's going to have something really cool uh, by the summer. And I think, yeah, that's been a, a big question. Everybody's been waiting on E2.0, you know, or the... Uh, that's a longer game. Yeah. yeah. When do you think E2.0 comes out? Like, fully so, Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Follow, follow Danny Ryan and some of those other guys. They know way more about that than I do. Thank you so much, Austin. Is there any uh, resources I can read um, that I want to learn more about ex the infrastructure of the, like, the coding, the tech? That way I could actually, like, maybe, I think the more I learn about this, the more I'm able to do. And I, one thing I really want to tackle is, in this interview, you mentioned about, and I, I was very disappointed in myself because I want to grasp this concept more, but you mentioned that there's so many things you can do on Ethereum. You said there's 10 things you could throw at the wall. And I feel like I can't because I don't have the whole knowledge. I was wondering if you have any resources. Yeah, can, I, can I have so any resources I can learn? We've we've been working through this and I've been trying to like keep a picture in my mind of what it even has looked like for my own journey. 
but when you learn it's 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 just it's called the dunning kruger it's you learn basically you think that you're a genius and then you have to go through basically a tour <laughs> yeah. of, a tour of duty and realize like how much you don't know and i think that there's such a learning curve just to get the solidity, just to be able to understand how key pairs work and how transactions work and, and how the network itself is functioning and how you can code on that network. It's such a steep learning curve that by the time you get up there, you're like, I'm a genius. I've got it all figured out. But in fact, it's not true. You do need to try a lot of things and throw a lot of things at the wall and read what other people have tried and read how they failed and look look at what was successful and look at wasn't, what wasn't successful. And also like that's a moving target and new people are coming into the space all the time. So an NFT platform that wouldn't work in 2018 may totally work in 2021 and not in 2022 or something like that, right? But so resources, I, I would start with just the fundamentals. So first of all, ethereum.org, like ethereum.org is is the rabbit hole a, a lot of us who got in in 2000 whatever 17 for me 13 for some people right some people are way more og but when when i got in the rabbit hole required like i gotta go read the yellow paper i gotta go look at these op codes i gotta i gotta understand this at such a level that i've got to go to all these different places for all these different materials and they're some are good and some are bad. Now we have ethereum.org. And when you go to ethereum.org, there's a whole wealth of information. You can go down the rabbit hole on ethereum.org. But from ethereum.org, I would say go uh, do ETH build and scaffold ETH. So in, and probably in that order. So go to ETH build, watch the videos. Like they're old. I'm sorry, the quality is not great, but I talk through key pairs. I do things really slow. I wire them up. I show how the key pair signs. I kind of test, test assumptions. I go through like what a distributed ledger looks like and what the cypherpunks were doing back in the nineties and why we didn't have a consensus mechanism and why we needed a consensus mechanism. And then kind of like proof of work came along and kind of how proof of work works. And then on top of that, like how those transaction transactions can then have like a data field and then be used for uh, like sending contracts. Like when you deploy, this is a fun fact, when you can deploy a contract to Ethereum, you're actually just sending a transaction and there's no address in the to field. So instead of sending it to someone, you send it to no one and you send your contract in the bytecode. And all the miners on the network recognize that as, oh, this guy's deploying a contract. And so like just learning those neat mechanics and how that transaction, those transactions work, that's ETH build. Then when you're ready to kind of build a product on top of that substrate, the scaffold ETH is where, where I would send people. Like any, I, the goal is any old developer should be able to just pull scaffold ETH off the shelf. It's a freestanding decentralized app. So it has a smart contract and a front end. It's all wired together already. You do a, like a couple of yarn commands and you bring everything up and you have a full dApp and you can tinker with your smart contract and then your front end will change when you change your smart contract. So that allows you to just like play with all the different techniques of smart contracts and just kind of like poke at them with a form. And then when you've got it all working, then you can kind of build your front end and build like a full app on, on top of that. But like the goal, the goal is get your fundamentals from ETH build and then build an app out with scaffold ETH. And really like, as you go through that process, you kind of go down that, that Dunning-Kruger, right? You, you try, you, you, by going through the steps of deploying your own NFT contract, you're gonna find six different blind spots that you didn't know you had. And you'll tackle each one of those as you learn it. And then on the other side, you'll, you'll be farther down that curve. And it's like some things you can't even explain. You just kind of have to go through, pull, pull that repo off the shelf, follow the repo. 
and and hit me up in the DMs. Uh, I'm I available like Twitter DMs, Telegram DMs. I'm at Austin Griffith. I'm not gonna bother you, but I will send you. I will <laughs> send you like you. I will bother you for once. Like one day, I might just send you some te- like DMs. Like, hey, can you help me out here? I have some questions. So yeah, this is the part that you were referring to, like as a as a. I can kind of like maneuver now and, and build whatever product I want and like manipulate my, my idea that I told you like through this scaffold ETH and stuff. But smart. Yeah. Start small, start, start with small. just open sea and MetaMask yes. and yes. send some stuff around. Right. Like yeah. it's, it's crazy. It's crazy how steep that learning curve is and how deep that gap is. There's so much knowledge there. And even like someone on the other side telling you, Trust, there's a lot of stuff you got to learn. There's a lot of blind spots. There's a lot of technicality here. And it feels like you know it, but you don't yet. It's like, I I wish someone would have told me that basically like over and over when I was getting in. And I probably would have quit, right? (laughs) So like, maybe that's not a good thing. Writing down the boulders on me. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. But it's just somehow, somehow to like communicate to a new person that like, yes, this is really heady technology. And yes, you've you've kind of tackled a lot so far, but there's so much more too. And and just to like keep building, keep trying, keep testing assumptions and, and fill in those blank spots. And one day you'll you'll kind of have the full mental model. One thing I, I really noticed about you, Austin, is it seems like you're as you know on a personal note, you're one hundred percent happy, you know, fully like <laughs> like seems like you're doing what you love. And I think I, I'm not even I think a big part of that, and it's what motivated me to get in the crypto space, is that you're just on the forefront of innovation every day. And I think that's what I really realized, you know, I just graduated college is what I really want, you know. Um, so it was actually a really big it was a pleasure speaking to you and an honor. I actually learned a lot. And I promise you this, I actually will go on ETH build and on ethereum.org tonight and I'm going to start this. So I really appreciate you. Do it. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, man. I, I'm just a tinkerer. Those guys that are working on ETH2 and optimism and, and sign of those guys that are looking at to scale Ethereum, those those are the real innovators. I'm I'm just a tool builder grabbing their substrate and playing on it. <laughs> hey, hey, honestly, I said this like the your your knowledge of this game, I feel like to get to your level, like it's intimidating hearing you speak just like so so <laughs> calmly. No, no, so how ha- like it's like you're so comfortable with all this terminology. Kind of it I when you were starting to speak like about the the integrations in the back end of all this stuff i that's when i realized wow the what you said that effect there's a lot to it yeah Yeah. that's when i realized i was like oh we got a long way to go but anyway i really appreciate you thank you so much yeah um i'm gonna have this episode probably out on tuesday next week um sounds good man i'll send you clips i'll send you good for an rt always (laughs) yes sir thank you so much i actually really appreciate you austin for sure man happy wednesday i'll I'll see you soon send me send me questions as you go along oh you you can bet i will Oh, you can bet I will. I will. Thank you. (laughs) Do it. All right. See you. Happy Wednesday. Be safe.